Welcome back to MetaMinds Live. This is episode three of the MetaMinds Live experience. And today we have Chrissy joining us, also known as Brisbane Girl in a Van. So thank you so much for joining us today. And no if you do want to listen to the podcast, uh, number 22, episode 22 of the MetaMinds podcast actually does feature Chrissy. And we talk in depth about a lot of different things to do with tiny houses and minimal living and the journey that Chrissy's gone on. And today is a bit more of a, I guess, an open forum. It's a bit more casual, so we can maybe dive into some other things that we probably didn't touch on in the podcast. So first things first, how did you start your tiny house journey? It was a really slow sort of start. I didn't actually realize what I was doing in the beginning. I was trying to cancel um, everything that tied me down to a place, like I was cancelling my internet plan and, you know, I started downsizing and everything and um, eventually I just sort of um, thought, well, I'm never really home. Uh, what can I do about it to make life easier? It felt like I was just going home to, yeah, do housework. <laughs> and um, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, well, I could, you know, get a tent and just stay around places in a tent and I thought, you know, I can't do that in the city. So I decided to get a ute, then I thought, no, that's not safe, then I thought a van, so I just went in and um, I finished my lease at the apartment I was renting and I sold everything, it took ages, and I just went and bought a van and um, just started living in it and everyone told me I couldn't do it, you know, it's illegal, where are you going to park, you're going to get moved on and all these things and I just thought, well, you know, why not try, I've got nothing to lose, Mm. so I just jumped in and did it. That's awesome. And that was, how long ago was that? That was three years ago. So that original van I lived in for a year and um, mm. eventually sold it for peanuts. Um, so I ran it into the ground. And um, yeah. <laughs> so I bought a truck after that. And that was when I started my sort of self-built tiny house journey. I thought, well, I've lived in one for a year. I know the way that I would want it to be. So why not try and build one? You know, you can learn all these skills now and online and everything. So yeah, I just did that. Yeah, that's awesome. And when you started off with the van, I'm sure that was a, a very big learning experience for you. But was there was there any re- renovations that happened while you were living in that van? Or was it already set up when you got it? How did that process work? The van was already set up when I bought it. So an 84-year-old guy who had owned it before me had built everything in and it had a bed, it had a, um, a stove, oven, grill, and it had a um, fridge and sink and lots of storage cupboards and things. Um, the only renovations I could really think about was mechanically. It was just corrupt, the whole thing. Um, mm. I had so much work done on it. But the inside of it, the only thing I really did myself was um, interior decorating, I guess. I made it look pretty. Oh, yeah. And just made it feel more homely or more had more of your vibe, didn't it? Yeah, made it a lot more homely and added some bright colours. And, you know, every other week I was reorganising my things. And it, like, the thing when you have a tiny house is you have to – have all the things you use most as the most accessible and all the things you don't use in the hardest places to catch. And right. Yeah, you've got to sort of think quite hard about where you're going to put everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So that was three years ago, and then you said you lived in the van for a year, was it? Yeah, I lived in the van for a year. So that thing went through uh, three head gaskets, uh, radiator, um condenser and a whole bunch of other things i spent uh nearly 20 grand in yeah, the year right. 
working on it. It was it was a lemon. It was a 40-year-old vintage thing. You know, it was a column shift manual drive. Very, very old van, but it was it was beautiful. Mm. But um yeah, so I spent a lot of money on that. And then after nine months, it had completely died. And I ended up living on some acreage that mm-hmm. um through someone I sort of knew and I just paid them a few bucks a week and they had a portaloo there and they had um electricity for me and I lived in that for three months before I jumped in and bought the truck yeah cool cool so then after you um sold the van did you jump straight into buying the truck or did you was there a crossover period where you had the truck and the van like how did that transition into the truck happen it worked out really well actually so the person whose property I was living on um I knew him because he'd bought my old car a little beetle off me when I bought the van and um He was interested in the van when I first bought it. And he said, you know, if you ever want to stay on my property, you're more than welcome to. So when it finally died, I ran into him accidentally and I was like, I know you. You're the one who bought my old Beetle. And I said, hey, how would this be if I, you know, paid you 80 bucks a week and just parked my van on your property and lived in it? And he's like, oh, that'd be great. Um, And he was a bit of a car collector and fancied himself a mechanic. So when I bought the truck, he said, well, instead of towing the van off my property and finding someone to buy it, he's like, why don't I buy it? So he bought it mm. off me for next to nothing. So I got my truck. I drove my truck home. I bought it in South Australia. So I drove it for a few days to get home, parked it nose to nose with my van, moved everything over, and then just left in my truck. It was so easy. Yeah, right. So the truck was, was it like completely hollow inside of the truck when you had it? Yeah, pretty much so. So it had lived its life as a uh, concrete and masonry business truck. Um, In the back of it, it had a couple of metal shells, which I first fancied I was going to build into my bed and everything, which ended up cutting them all out. And it had um, sort of metal grid mesh on all of the walls, which I also thought that'll be so handy. I can just tie everything to the walls. And, you know, I had all these ideas that it was going to be super easy. So, um, I ended up going in there and learning how to use my angle grinder and cutting out every single extra piece of metal because I just didn't need it. But um, but other than that, it was empty except for a water tank. It has a 300-litre water tank in it, which I still have in it now, right under mm. my bed. Yep. <laughs> yeah, nice. So then you, you literally just parked it, like, basically really close by so that you could just transfer everything from the van into the truck at that point. Yeah, I didn't have a whole lot of stuff. And I mean, I don't now. Um, all my furniture is fixed, fixed in place. So all I had was, you know, clothing and a few other things. And that was it. Yeah, really cool. That's cool. So it was, um, by the sounds of it, like almost the perfect start to living in a tiny house. Like you had a pretty um, pretty good run there by the sounds of it. Besides the fact that you put all that money into the van and it was a lemon. Like, <laughs> yes. Sounds I like was you in had... debt for a little while because of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm sure you learnt a lot through that as well and, uh, you know, it was, it was probably an interesting experience, right? Something that you'll probably never forget. Oh, definitely not. I have so many mixed feelings towards that old van. I mean, I loved it. It was beautiful. I had the most amazing times in it. But then it was unreliable and, you know, I'd be driving somewhere, it would break down and it'd spend weeks at the mechanics and, you know, there was both sides of it. But um, mm. in the truck, I did my research when I bought the truck. It had only had one owner. It had had services every 10,000 Ks. It had never had a mechanical issue. It was, you know, it was the right way to go. Yeah. Yeah, that's good to hear. So where would you say you are now with your journey? So 
after you sold the van and you started setting up the truck, maybe not where are you now, but actually like, so what happened after that, after that phase, after you started, uh, you know, focusing on the truck there, what, what was the next couple of months like for you? Um, it was coming into winter and it was getting cold and I just bought the truck and I was living in the bare metal box in the back. So mm. I was doing a lot of house sitting at the time, which was really good because um, working on the truck is quite hard when you don't have electricity because, you mm. know, the drills and angle grinders and everything you need electricity for. So the first thing I really did was started working on it to make it at least a little bit livable. So I learnt to... Um, cut holes in the side of my truck and I bought some caravan windows secondhand and I put those in so I would be able to breathe because that's mm-hmm. always good. Um, <laughs> that's always I, good. Yeah, I like that. And um, I built my bed frame. Um, I had a friend help me build that and I bought a mattress and as soon as I put the mattress in, I went from sleeping on the cold metal floor to sleeping on a real normal mattress like you have in a house and mm. it changed it for me. Um, then I bought some insulation and I insulated everything. Um, which is a little bit redundant because I have the big metal roller door, which lets all the cold in. Oh, right. Um, But, yeah, so I just started slowly teaching myself what to do. And, you know, the first thing I did that made it look really good or even a little bit like a home, I guess, was um, I did my roof. So I insulated it and then I put um, wood floorboards, um, Mm. laminate flooring, sorry, all over the roof. And when I finished it, I sort of just looked up and went, this looks good. Mm. I can do this, you know, because everybody sort of was like, oh, well, you know, when you start to build something and you think it's going to look great and then it just turns out a bit uh, kind of thing. Yeah. So I got all disheartened and then when I saw my roof, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to build this and it's going to be great. So I just went from there and um, slowly building all the little extra homely touches and um, all the necessities and it has been great so far. I mean, it looks good and it's mm. beautiful. It does look good. I can vouch for that. It looks great. If you actually check out the podcast, guys, uh, the YouTube version, you can see a little bit of a, a little bit of a rundown at the end of how it all looks, which is really cool. Um, yeah. So when you were sleeping on the floor, yeah. was that like how how did you how did you get through that process? You said that uh, you were a bit disheartened, and a few people were kind of you know making comments or whatever so that sounds like that would have been very tricky to sleep on a a cold floor and not being able to actually see the vision as it was like what helped you stick through that and and kind of push through probably the house sitting so I did a lot of house sitting around that time so there was only um I don't know how often I actually slept in the truck on the floor so it was only a few weeks in when I got my bed sorted but I do remember the first night I slept on the floor I had all my belongings all around me in boxes and I had this little hippie blanket hanging covering the metal walls Mm. and I had I think I had a quilt as a uh, mattress under me folded in half and I was like sitting on the floor sort of going well it's winter and you know I'm freezing my ass off but I was picturing you know if I have the bed there I can have this here and you know I sort of just looked all around me and thought of what would be the most comfortable Mm thought you know I can do it any way I want it's my house and I can build it so it suits me perfectly mm. yeah that's awesome and and where where would you say you are now in in this journey where where's um, like is the truck finished have you still got some stuff to to do to add are you happy with how it's looking now I'd say it's one of those things in life that will never be finished um mm. but I'd say in terms of 
um, the main things. It's about 70% done. So I've got, like I said, the water tank came with it. I've got the comfortable bed. I've got batteries. I've got full solar, so it's 100% off-grid. I've got lots of lighting. Um, I've got a fan. I've got walls, roof, floor. I've got a big fridge. Um, also, I've got, I've got a portaloo, um, and I've got a massive cupboard, like an old vintage um, lead light thing. And um, the only thing that – the things that I really need to do still, which I'm really taking my time with, um, is make a small sort of kitchen area over the top of my fridge and to build in a shower and mm. both of those things i need gas for so i'll have the gas installation done and then i'll do those all sort of around the same time so that's going to be a one big project but i'm just not quite ready to do it yet yeah yeah uh welcome sneaky and roly and everyone else that's just jumped in travis uh yeah so we're, we're talking about the tiny house movement basically and chrissy's talking to me about uh, her experiences so far living in a tiny house, basically in the back of a truck that she's bought and converted. So that's where we're at for all the new people jumping in the chat. Hello, everyone. Um, a question I have for you, Chrissy, is for people out there who are maybe considering converting, you know, a van or a truck into a tiny house or whether they just want to buy a small property and have a tiny house there, do you believe that this is a sustainable lifestyle? Yes. Yeah, I do think it is a sustainable lifestyle. Um, I do have a lot less – I feel like I'm a lot less of a consumer. Um, mm. You know, if I'm out shopping and I'm, I'm a female, I love to shop, um, I've started thinking more about, you know, do I have room for this? Do I have a need for this? Rather than just going, oh, this is pretty. Let's mm. buy this. And, you know, um, with rubbish, um, I don't have a big wheelie bin. I just have a small 10-litre bin. And one good thing about Brisbane is um, most of the parks have normal bins and recycle bins. So I'll wait until I can find one that has a normal bin and a recycle bin and um, I can recycle. Um, but, yeah, I do think it's a lot more sustainable. I mean, I'm driving a big truck that's diesel. You know, it's putting all sorts of nasty things in the air, but I'm not living in a big house. I'm not, you know, my footprint is a lot smaller than mm. it ever was. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. So for yourself, where where do you see this going? How how long do you think you want to maintain this lifestyle for? Is it something that you see yourself doing for a while? It is. So when I first started it three years ago, I sort of told myself, I'll do this until I find the man of my dreams and we end up buying a house. Mm. And that's sort of halfway there. So I met him uh, about a year ago. and. I'm going to save for another year, maybe build the truck a little bit more, and then we're going to take a trip around Australia in it. Mm. And then um, after that, um, we're going to buy a house with our savings and keep the truck as a weekender and I guess a little bit more of a project if I ever want to build any crazy extras onto it or anything. So I think about three more years, two and a half to three years living in the truck, and then I'll be living in my own home that I buy for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So do you think you will keep the truck or do you think you'll sell it then when you buy a house? I will keep the truck. Um, with things that you build, I don't know if you'll ever really get the money back that you've put in if you sell them and it's got a lot of sentimental value. I mean, I've taken this truck a lot of places already mm. and it's built for me. You know, it's got all my things in it. Um, it's built the way that I like it and, yeah, I, it's a healthy truck. I think it can last a long time. 
Mm. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Uh, welcome, Lucas, into the chat. And Say, is that how you pronounce your name? Welcome. I believe you're new in here. So welcome. We've got Jordan, uh, Rosemary, and Mr. Bub. Welcome, everyone. Uh, yeah, we're chatting about a few interesting things today. So uh, keep tuned. We're talking about tiny houses and the minimal lifestyle that a lot of people out there are living now. So if you have any comments, jump in the comments and we can uh, reply to them or just mention you guys, really. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, Johan, when you buy a house, will it be a tiny house? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a I've really thought good question. About that. Yeah, I've thought about that a whole lot. And um, for the sake of me wanting to have kids and dogs um, and that my partner already has one dog, I don't think I would, but I really like the idea of building one and having it as an Airbnb or, you know, just as a little chill out area or something Mm. because I would love to build one that's not on wheels. Yeah, right. Like I'd love to build my own little home. So I would like to have one but not to live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, the next thing I'm really curious about is, and this can be positives and negatives, what things have surprised you so far about this lifestyle, about the tiny house movement? I think the first thing that surprised me was how how indifferent it felt to my normal life beforehand. Mm. So, you know, I, I thought it would be my whole life changed, completely different, and it wasn't really. It was just instead of driving home to a house I'd drive somewhere and then climb in the back so it was similar like it felt the same everybody was like oh you know it's crazy what you're doing it's so different what's it like and I was kind of like it's just like what you do Mm. um so that was quite surprising but I don't know I think that's been the only thing really um I haven't really missed living in a normal house and I guess it's just been quite like I expected yeah right what about, uh, you know, positive things that you've noticed? Like you've mentioned before that you're, you know, it, it's kind of forced you to be more minimal in your lifestyle. So was that something that you obviously went in expecting or did it surprise you how much it changed how you do go about your, your day-to-day functioning? I think it was the way that I was already going, but mm. living this lifestyle has definitely pushed it along a lot further. So I would have never have called myself a minimalist before. I mean, I, I take after my father who's a massive hoarder in the mm. mechanical area I used to you know have tons of things but um yeah I do love throwing things out and getting rid of things and you know donating things that I don't need and um I think minimalism is just something that really sort of uh sets my head straight if that makes sense it calms me a bit knowing that everything I have is everything that I need mm. yeah that's great that's really great so was there anything else at all that surprised you or it was just uh, what you mentioned there? Um, I guess the only other thing that surprised me was how, I guess, how how many skills I learned mm. just from, you know, YouTube and the internet. Um, if, you know, if I tried to do this, say, if I was 20 years ago, I was able to do this, I would have not had the internet and I would would have had to have guessed everything and, yeah, it's it's amazing what you can learn. It's amazing what you can achieve as well. I would have never thought I could build something like this mm-hmm. before. And and was did you learn everything through the internet or was it other people as well that were helping you and guiding you? Or how, how did that process form? 
Yeah, I have met people along the way who have sort of taken an interest and, you know, they've given me hints and things. Um, my best friend, her partner, um, is very into this kind of thing. He has a, a Mazda ute that he's turned the whole back into sort of a pull-out camping area and he has a lot of interest in 12-volt gadgets and things like that, so he's taught me quite a bit. And, um, yeah, I've had uh, one of my friends helped me with all my solar as well and he he has a very slight case of his burgers. So mm. he's extremely talented when it comes to anything with, you know, little cords and things like that. He's just, he can just do anything in that way and mathematically. So um, I have had a lot of help as well, just with um, different people telling me things and a lot of other stuff I've been left completely on my own with, but, um, but yeah, it has been good. Yeah. And then the rest of it, you've just learned through the internet, have you through YouTube and other forums or whatever? Yeah, I think YouTube's been my savior in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, right. I can learn everything off that. Like when I first bought my first tool, it was an angle grinder, and I just went on YouTube and learned how to use it and watched a few videos and went, "Yep, okay, cool," and put my safety gear on and off I went. <laughs> I went and cut metal, and I'd never cut metal before. Yeah, right. <laughs> that that must have been such an empowering experience as well, just being able to have full control over how it looks and how everything functions. Yeah, it was. It really was. Like every time I have a day where I work on it, at the end of the day, I just feel great. You know, I feel wrecked. My hands are sore and I'm covered in filth and, you know, there's wood shavings and metal shavings in my hair, but I just feel so accomplished and so proud of myself. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's really awesome. All right. Thank you, Mr. Bub, for the love and sneaky elbow as well. And Elvin says YouTube is a godsend. (laughs) That's a great point. Sneaky Elbow also has a question up here. So do you think you could live comfortably with another person in a tiny house or is it something you would only do on your own? Oh, yeah, that's a good question because my partner does stay in it sometimes. And because it's my little home, I'm used to moving around it. Um, It does feel cluttered. And, you know, everywhere I turn, he's there. And Sometimes he'll just be like, I'll, I'll just get on the bed some out of the way kind of thing. Mm. So it um, because I'm traveling for a year with him, it will be hard. Um, I am kind of worried we might, you know, get on each other's nerves because we're always in the in the way of each other. If I had a bigger tiny house, I guess a almost tiny house, it would be easier. <laughs> but but it will it will work, I think. But yeah, I am a little bit worried about living with a second person in it as well. It's just mm. going to make it a lot harder. Yeah, yeah. Have you thought about any changes that might need to happen when you you do go on that year trip or are you going to keep it how it is? Um, well, the only thing that I thought I'd need to do is get rid of some of my clothing. So mm. maybe maybe he can have a little bit of space, to, a little bit of clothing <laughs> for himself, I guess. But um, yeah. other than that, the, the one thing I have changed since he's come in is um, so I have my bed and then I have my port and – you could see it from the bed. So I built this makeshift wall. So um, when he stays in the truck, there's at least a little privacy wall. Mm. And that's the only thing I've changed so far for him. Yep, yep. That's nice. So that's being thoughtful of him and mindful of the process, I guess. Oh, it was more being embarrassed myself having to pee in oh, my right. partner. So. But, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, that works. That works better. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go with that one. <laughs> okay. So Sneaky Elbow said a two-person tiny. Have you seen any tiny houses or tiny trucks or vans or whatever that have actually been created with the purpose of multiple people living in them? Have you seen any of them? I don't 
no, I don't think I've, um, I probably have, but I just didn't know it. I know there's a couple of people, there's someone I follow on uh, Instagram, their name's Summer of 75, and they have this beautiful orange combi, and they're a family, I think there's five of them, and they're travelling the country in this combi. So, I mean, my house is bigger than theirs, and there's five of them in it, so I guess wow. it's just a matter of... Um, yeah, of getting along. Um, so my, mm. my bed is a double, like a traditional double, so there's definitely room there. But, yeah, I don't know. I just like my space, I guess. Yeah, which is fair enough. That's great. All right. So for people out there that are maybe considering this lifestyle or are interested in it, what do you think people need to know about tiny houses before either building one or living in one? Well, you need to know that you've got to get rid of a lot of your things, which I think is an obvious thing, but when you really get down to it, it can be quite hard. Um, there's some easier sides of it, like, I don't know, I remember I was getting rid of all my stuff and, you know, I sold my fridge, I sold my bed, I sold my cupboards and I thought, Jesus, you know, I've got nothing left. But then there was the little things like candle holders and fake plants and photo frames and stuff and I just thought, well, why did I even have this in the first place? Mm. But um, I think... Uh, one of the biggest things, and this ties in with minimalism, is um, living in a tiny home is having things that have more than one use, you know, rather than having, you know, a, an alarm clock and a radio, you know, you've got your phone that has that in it. So, you know, you can sort of make do rather than having all the luxuries. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Spending a lot of time outside as well because you've got a tiny house that pushes you out onto the outside world, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah, that's a good comment from Sneaky. Yeah, I've actually, um, like, when we checked out your Instagram before we got you on the podcast, it was amazing some of the locations that you can just back into and have such a beautiful view while you're laying in your bed reading a book or doing whatever you want to. It, It does look like a very freeing lifestyle. It is. Sometimes I'll just wake up and I'll open the door and I'll make a cup of tea or something and I'll just be looking out on endless water or, you know, a beautiful greenery and I just think this is just the best, you know. Mm. I, I could never afford a house that had this beautiful view and here I am enjoying it, you know, just me and the outside world and the sun. It's so nice. Mm. Yeah, that's great. What do you think, like, before you started this lifestyle before you got the van what do you think would have been helpful for you to know before starting it is there anything that's now come out that would have been helpful before jumping into this lifestyle oh a little bit of mechanics would have been good yeah Um, (laughs) i would love if i could have you know fixed a alternator or two but um (laughs) no that that's probably the only thing um was the mistake of buying an old van because you know old vans are great for people who know how to maintain them but not for a girl who's just off to look, you know, go park somewhere nice. So um, that'd be the main, the main thing that I regret. Mm. Yeah. And what other things do you reckon people need to know before thinking about this lifestyle? Well, living in a tiny house, one on wheels at least, um, I think you have to have a bit of guts, Um because, I don't know, I've had friends come and sleep in my truck and they don't sleep a wink at night. They're like, oh, there was a car hanging around and, you know, I thought I saw a person looking in the windows and all these things. And, you know, those things may be happening, but I'm fast asleep and I've got, 
locks everywhere and I've got my alarm on so I sleep really well but um there are some nights when I'll park somewhere that's just a little bit busy and you know there might be people coming throughout the night driving in and driving out and yeah I think it can be quite freaky like I have had a few freaky sort of incidents and it did take me a while to sort of get used to that um I know my boyfriend the first night he slept in my truck he didn't sleep a wink either and mm. um, now he sleeps like a baby. He sleeps better than he does in his own home. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think you do have to sort of live out in the public a bit, and that can be a little bit scary. Yeah. Yeah, and do you think that just becomes easier over time? Definitely, yeah, because it becomes familiar and you feel safe when you're in a place that's familiar, I guess. Like I have a lot of favourite spots that I stay at quite a, quite often and um, there's rarely any noise or people or anything there, so it just feels fine. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, all right. Well, we've kind of connected the whole minimal living situation, I guess, and how that, uh, you know, is, is an important aspect of living in a tiny house because obviously you have to get rid of clutter and, and like you said, prioritise items or whatever it may be that you actually will use. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm curious, like, what, what does minimal living actually mean to you? Like, what, what is that statement, minimal living? What, what is that to you now? Uh, minimal living to me is having nothing that doesn't have a use. Um, so, for example, um, I would call myself mostly a minimalist, but the one thing I have that is completely useless except for aesthetics is mm. um, I have two fake plants and I love them. You know, I'm a plant killer. I wanted to have real plants in the truck, but I mean, even living in an apartment with a stationary window frame and the sun coming in all day, I couldn't keep a plant alive. So I bought some fake plants and mm. they, they make my house look good. They make it look more feminine and comfortable and homely, but they're completely useless, you know? Right, but, right. Um, minimalism for me is just having things that you need. Like it doesn't mean that you live in a house that has a bed and a kitchen and nothing else. It's just, you know, you don't have any frivolous stuff that you don't need. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't have 10 jumpers of 10 different colours if I could just have one or two. Yes. Yeah. And you, you were saying that that was something that you were starting to do before you went into this lifestyle. So what do you think yeah. – what what do you think kind of helped you get into that mind state? Um, I'm not really sure. So I had a big breakup years ago and um, I moved into my own little apartment and I wanted to have just all the things that I need there and, you know, a few little extras. And I just liked that everything in the apartment was mine. And, yeah, I'm not sure. I just started sort of downsizing with no particular goal in mind and I wanted everything to fit in my car and I had a tiny Honda Jazz at the time. Mm. I could push down my front passenger seat and even my fridge would fit in. So everything I owned, not simultaneously, but everything I owned fit in my car. And I don't know why that really pleased me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then um, it was like six or eight months later, I was living in a van. So I think my mind had already sort of been coming to that conclusion, but I hadn't caught up yet and I didn't know. So it it just sort of got there eventually. Yeah. So it kind of was a, a natural transition, I guess. Oh, sounds yeah. Like. yeah, over a year or so. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, Elvin's got a question here. So what's the thing you miss the most that you don't always get when you're in a normal house? 
the the thing that I miss the most is entertaining. So mm. every time I go over to a friend's house, like um, the night before last, I went over to my best friend's house and it was her birthday. And, you know, she had a bunch of us over and we had food and we watched TV. And, you know, it wasn't wasn't fancy, but, you know, I can't really do that. I can have one person over and, you know, I can cook a small meal and um, we can share the bed. <laughs> That's about it. So, you know, I can't have a whole bunch of friends just rock up. Um, that's the only thing I really miss. Oh, and having a big kitchen because I'm I love cooking. Um, yes. So whenever I house it, I cook and I cook so many potatoy things because I don't cook potatoes very often in the van. I don't roast or anything because all I have is a little stove top. So um, but yeah, entertaining and a big kitchen. That's all I miss. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Sneaky elbow said, "I've murdered all my plans." <laughs> to yeah, return to you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> and I do get out of hosting Christmas. <laughs> oh yeah, true. That's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Uh, Sneaky elbow said, "Does it make you value the things you do have more?" It does make me value my things. It's also made me spend more money on my things. You know, I used to buy um, cheap crap, really, and now I'll buy good quality anything because i don't have many things in here so the things i have i want to be good quality so but yeah, mm-hmm. I do value them a lot more i look after my things a lot better now than i ever did i used to be a very careless person when it came to possessions yeah yeah no that's that's something that i think uh, would be helpful for all of us especially uh, that's something i think about as well i kind of have a bit of that like hoarder mentality having you know products sent out to me to review for youtube and i kind of like I feel weird getting rid of them or bidding them. But the other day, like even after you were on the podcast, it made my mind go like, I need to get rid of something. So I actually went (laughs) through and started cleaning out all the cupboards and just, you know, getting rid of things and then putting them in bags so I can donate them. So it it was, yeah, something that made my mind tick as well. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. um, It's uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? The world we live in, it's, very focused on consumerism and, and, you know, items have status to them. That's something that's always drilled into us through advertisements, but it's just not reality, you know, like all these items don't actually mean anything. No, that's all about money, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Thanks, Sean, for the for the love hearts. Uh, mm-hmm. So Elvin, Elvin's got an interesting question. I like this one. What's something that you wish you can fit in your tiny house? Oh, it's definitely a fireplace. Um, totally irrational because it's only winter three months a year here and it's summer. But, you know, a fireplace that I could cook on, like a wood stove, I would love that. But I just don't have the room. Yeah. Maybe in the next tiny house. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, Sean, I, I do live fully off grid in my tiny house. It has solar and water and, and everything I need. Yeah. And maybe a portable fireplace. Yeah, that's an interesting idea, Lucas. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, So for people out there that maybe do find themselves uh, gravitating more towards items and don't live a minimal lifestyle, what kind of advice do you think you could give people to achieve more of a minimal lifestyle? Well, uh, some people I don't know if you could, but... um... You know, people are set in their ways and different people are happy because of different things. But um, I do think it makes life easier because, you know, there's less cleaning because there's less stuff to clean and less things to clean around. And it's easier to find things all of the time. Mm. So 
I think it's time saving as well. And it's less to worry about, you know, if my truck um, flipped over on the motorway and caught a light tomorrow, um, I mean, I can't think of anything that's irreplaceable, really. Um, mm. I would survive. It's insured. So, you know, I'd just start from scratch again. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that's really good to hear then. That it's and, over on the highway or? <laughs> well, the, the fact that you have got, um, you know, your mindset is is focused on the fact that you're not putting so much emphasis on things, you know, like yeah. I, I, it's one of those things that I still do, but like we, we gravitate towards items for whatever reason. I think it's really drilled into us as like a society and through advertisement and maybe social conventions, but yeah, it's, it's interesting that you can say that and you, you can go, you know, well, it is replaceable, you know, and then these things don't, they're not the totality of who I am as a person. They're just things at the end of the day. It is so hard to realize that, isn't it? Yeah. And is that yeah. something that you think you've just learned over time, like living this way? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely taken time. But I mean, I mean, if I dropped my phone today down a drain, I would still freak out and go, I have everything on that. You know, it is, it is hard to get out of that mindset. But I mean, the only things that are really irreplaceable are, you know, the photos and things like that. And I've been kind of learning to back those things up. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's kind of a freeing feeling as well. Like yeah. The less you have, the less you have to worry about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is a thing. That's something that um, I guess that I can reflect on with this, like, because I, I do have, like, a, you know, pretty – full-on kind of OCD about certain things. And that's why I've kind of put it down to why I hold on to items and why I feel this weird urge to get rid of certain things. And like, I have to force myself to do it and it's getting easier over time, but it is, it is almost like uh, taxing on, on my mind to have all of these things, because even though I may not interact with them every day, it's, it's something that's in my mind of like, Oh, well that's there. That's there. Like it's something that is actually taking up cognitive functioning, which it really doesn't need to. Yeah. Um, so that's like when I binned all that stuff that, you know, I couldn't sell or donate. I was like, I, I just had to do it. Like I just forced myself. I was like, I don't need these things. Like literally they're not adding any value to my life. I don't need them at all. And, you know, I forced myself to do it, but I felt great after doing it. Yeah. Cause you think about them. If you have something you don't really need, you think about it, you know, you don't want to or plan to, but every now and again, it might come across your head and it's, it's a sort of, a stressing thought because you're like, oh, I have this thing I don't need, you know. Mm. So it does feel good to get rid of them. I remember I had this dress I bought on eBay for uh, a tenth of its original price and it was brand new and it was silk and it was absolutely beautiful. And the only thing I could have worn this dress to was um, as a guest at a wedding. And I had it for about two years with the tag still on, perfectly brand new, and Mm. no weddings came up. And I thought about it and I'd randomly think about it and be like, oh, it's just taking up space in my cupboard and it stressed me out, but it was absolutely beautiful. So I didn't want to get rid of it. And then one day I just sold it. I was like, no, stuff it. I've had enough. And I felt so good because mm. it was off my mind and out of my closet. Mm. Yeah, that's massive. Hey, It really does take up cognitive functioning to have stuff in your environment. Yes. It really does. So that's interesting. Hey, like, um, I'll just go through the comments now because Elvin commented about something. But I want to welcome Sel. He's quite a regular on here. Welcome. How are we? Mm-hmm. Um, so Elvin said, I'm guilty of buying so many things or stuff that I don't need. Yeah, see, I think that's a thing. A lot of people experience that, though. 
Yes, definitely. In like Western worlds, especially consumerism is like a big driving force for business, which is not great at all, is it? Because we don't need all these things and they're making money and we're cluttering our minds and our lives with them. Exactly. But we still buy them. We do. We do. And like, I'm not discrediting anyone that enjoys buying things because like I, you know, run a YouTube tech channel and when I buy tech products, I don't need them. And yes, it's like definitely business related why I'm buying it most of the time. But again, it then feeds into that consumerist mindset because every single year there's something new out. Every couple of months there's something new out. It's full on. Like they, they package it in a way where it's like, you have to have this new thing. This is, you know, the thing that you previously had doesn't have these three new things that, yeah, don't actually yeah, mean anything. The thing you already had is irrelevant now. Yeah, yeah, that's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah, like the iPhones. <laughs> yeah, they're really good with that. <laughs> yes, they are, and changing their um, like the the jacks and the docks and everything, so you have to buy the new one. And yeah, it is rude. Mm-hmm. Lucas said, "I don't know if I could pull it off on the road, but even living in an apartment with minimal items, are you saying that you don't think you could pull it off in an apartment as well with minimal items? Or are you saying that is something you could do, but you couldn't do the road?" Welcome, Lucas and Rachel and Ernest. Uh, Sneaky Elbow said, my ex is a hoarder, so when I broke up with him and kicked him out, I had to go through my house uh, room by room and get rid of almost everything. But it took me almost a year before my house was mine again. Yeah, wow. Wow, that's a long breakup. Yeah, wow. There you go. Oh, Sel, thank you for the sushi. Really appreciate that. Uh, Violet, welcome. Kate, welcome. Oh, and sell with the rose as well. So you get the context of this, Chrissy. People send in um, gifts, which are basically like real-world credits, or they're like digital credits, basically. Um, Lovely. Massive honor when people send that through because it's actually money, basically, that they're sending through. Oh, wow. It's amazing. And sell sent some love as well, some likes. Um, sorry, I'm just going through the comments to see if I missed anything. <laughs> sneaky you wouldn't believe the random things i found <laughs> well if you feel comfortable sharing that would be great that's interesting uh cell <laughs> is your house hogwarts by any chance interesting <laughs> lucas oh, having those staircases yeah yeah that's it hey <laughs> lucas iphone 48 is coming soon yeah it probably is yeah probably around the corner um, what else have we done? Have I missed anything here? Ah, okay, Lucas, I'm saying I think it's possible in an apartment, but in a mobile home for me, I just can't see it working for myself. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Because, like, for me, when I was first introduced to tiny houses, like it was, it wasn't a portable house. It was like a, a tiny house on a, a property, basically. Yeah, like the American ones they had on the shows. Mm. Was that something that ever interested you or you were set on a vehicle, were you? Well, I never thought about owning a home until, I guess, I don't know, I got a better paying job a year ago and I started saving money more and I used to always just save for holidays and that was it. So, um, And then, you know, spend money on my old van. So I never really thought about owning a home until it sort of started to become, you know, it could be a reality. Yeah. So, um, I just straight away thought of a mobile home, but um, I would love, like I said before, I would love to build a tiny house, but having a family soon, um, it would not be for me to live in. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair enough. But you've had that amazing experience so far, and you're still experiencing it to this day, which is awesome. Yes, and I do love it. Mm. Ernest and Lucas with the likes, thank you. And then Ernest with the golden microphone, that's massive. Thank you, Ernest. That's great. That's like the top-tier item that you can give someone. Thank you so much. Um, uh, So ID is asking, what's the topic for today? Well, we've been talking about tiny houses and uh, minimal living so far. We've been talking about a lot. It's going to be hard for me to basically reiterate what we've been speaking about. But, yeah, we've been talking about a lot to do with tiny houses, the tiny house movement, and, uh, yeah, minimal living as well. So if you've got any input, definitely jump in the comments. Right. Well, I've gone through all of my notes, basically, for what we were going to cover. Um, I guess we can round it out soon. But is there any any advice maybe that you have for people or any anything that you'd maybe like to share for people before they consider this lifestyle or consider being more minimal? I definitely recommend um, trialing it out, which is something that I never did, um, but would have been good, you know, even just renting a camper van or borrowing one of something, someone or um, something like that, and just to see what it's like. But I mean, I recommend it, but it's definitely not for everyone. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people who would never be able to do it, but um for me, it's made life easier. Um, I've been saving a lot of money and it's made me, I guess, more friendly to people. I've always got people coming up, you know, if I'm relaxing, reading a book or something, someone can just rock up and be like, oh, hey, look at this truck and start asking questions about it. So it makes you more open to people. And I've met a lot of people as well, which has been really nice. And I met a lot of like-minded people who do the same kind of thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd say just, just try it out. Like a lot of people say, I wish I could do that. Oh, imagine if I could do that. And it's like, well, well you can. Yeah. What's stopping you? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I like the fact that you did mention that it's not for everyone because I, I do believe that that would be the case. And I've spoken to other people who think that they can't, again, it could be just the fact that they don't think they can, but maybe they can, but also some people really you know, do like holding on to things or they, you know, like living in a house and they don't want to be in a mobile, in a mobile house. So it really is, like you said, a, um, an individual decision, I guess. It's an independent decision. Yeah. Uh, welcome Megan. Uh, ID minimal living is not easy for some people. I'm among them. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what, what I was just covering then, definitely. Ernest is saying, dude, look up Ice Castles, best tiny houses ever. Do you know about, do you know about Ice Castles? No, but I'm going to look them up after. Yeah, I'm going to look them up as well. That's interesting. We'll check that out, Ernest. Thanks for the recommendation. Uh, welcome, Victor. Okay, this is a good question from Elvin. If you could live anywhere, where would it be? And that's within oh. your tiny house, I believe he's asking. So that would have to be somewhere in Australia. Um Maybe um, somewhere in the middle of nowhere in northern New South Wales. Um, there's a lot of beautiful places out there and there's lots of water. You know, there's the beaches, there's the waterfalls, and it's just a lot quieter than it is in Queensland. But that's why I'm going to travel in about a year. I'm travelling all around Australia. I'm going to find that spot. It's the best spot that I'd want to be, and then I'm going to buy a house there. So I can't really answer that fully yet because I haven't seen everything. Right. <laughs> What about if you could take your tiny house anywhere in the world? Is, is there anywhere that you've you've thought of going? Um, well, I love Thailand. I love the little islands there. If I could just, you know, magically port my truck to one of the little islands, that'd be cool, and I could live there. 
Um, I do love um, New Zealand for the tiny living thing as well. Um, I really want to do New Zealand in my truck, but I probably have to rent a van over there. And um, I would also like to travel around America because, you know, you see places like, you know, Joshua Tree and that, and um, it's a lot more camper friendly there than it is here too. Um, Mm. Brisbane's not a very friendly town for it. Yeah. Mm. Um, so Sneaky said she found top of a glass dining table, just the top, no legs, uh, stamp collection, handbag, lifetime supply of plastic straws, an old box <laughs> camera, and an accounting machine, just to name a few things. Wow. Yeah, wow. That's a hoarder. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I wonder if any of those things were worth money. Maybe. Probably the lifetime of straws, not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, so Lucas, I guess I can see why someone would want to move into a tiny home. If you wanted to move, you could probably put it on a trailer and go. Yeah. Yep. I, guess, I guess you could, yeah. Or you could just chuck it in the back of the truck or van or whatever and just head somewhere else. Bad neighbours, move on. Yeah, well, that's it. Um, that's why it took so long trying. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, how do you feel about rounding this out now? Yeah, sure. Is there anything else you wanted to add before, before we end? And also anyone who wants to ask any more questions, I guess, can jump in the comments as well. No, just, um, thanks for listening, everyone. That's all good. Thank you so much for coming on again. And for everyone who hasn't listened to the episode, check out, episode 22 of the MetaMinds podcast. You can check that out on CastBox or YouTube or um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, however you consume your podcast. We're on like 12, I think, or 13 different audio streaming services. So just check out MetaMinds episode 22 to hear Chrissy's story. Uh, Also check out Chrissy on Instagram, Brisbane Girl in a Van, if you want to check out her cool van and what she's up to. I might put that in the comments, actually. So then they can figure it out and they can see what you're up to. Awesome. There you go. It's all one word, Brisbane girl in a van, I believe. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Great. Uh, That's a great positive there. You can move out anytime wherever you have a bad neighbor. That's a good point, Helen. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, great. Alrighty, well, thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. This was MetaMinds Live number three. Thank you so much, Chrissy, for jumping on this live cast. I hope you enjoyed the experience with everyone commenting and asking questions. Yeah, I love how interactive it is. Mm, yeah, it's really cool. And if you, uh, you know, get onto it a little more, you'll notice that you have the same bunch of people jumping in and you have people asking really insightful questions and they get really involved. It's amazing. That's why I want to bring more people to the platform so that people can uh, experience this. Yeah, cool. And Sneaky Elbow said, come back and visit, Chrissy. (laughs) Anytime (laughs) you're welcome. (laughs) Sneaky Elbow. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and thanks again for coming on, Chrissy. And uh, Johan, thanks. Been great. Yeah, thank you so much for tuning in, buddy. And Elvin with the likes. This This is the hard part, Chrissy. When we try to end it, you get people, like, jumping in with comments and love hearts, and it's like, I don't want to end now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I will end it, though, so we can go and get our things done. And, yeah, thank you so much. Have a great one, everyone. Thank you. See you later. See ya.